Morning. Can you hear me loud and clear? Right, morning. Um, so today, if you can just get the slide up. Okay, got the slide. Yeah, okay. Um, so yeah, so for... Oh, uh, you don't. That must be Stuart then. <laughs> Something has gone horribly wrong. <laughs> anyway, um, so... Um, for the past few weeks, we've been talking about community. Um, so I think Stewart brought the word community, and as a church, um, we feel God talking to us and leading us around theme within community. And um, Stewart started us off by looking at community from we all as one, being together called as one. And, um, and he modeled the relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as a good example of that community because when we talk about community and we look at the apostles and we look at the early church, they model community and the bits of community as well, but not quite um, the ideal community that God wants us to, to reflect on. And um, so we've led on that community and we've touched, several speakers have spoken on different aspects of community. Um, there you go, finally. So different speakers have spoken about community from the point of generosity, forgiveness, and different aspects of what the Lord is talking, talking to us about community. Um, but today, I want to look at community from the point of um, shared responsibility. So what's our responsibility to each other um, as we are sat today in church as the community of God? And what is God really telling us? What does he expect us to be to one another? Um, what sort of responsibility do we have to one another in, in this community? Um, so I would like to start today by looking at this shared responsibility. So we all know what shared responsibility is. I have a responsibility to Nina as her husband and my children as, my, as their dad. Um, we all know what community and responsibility is. Um, we all talk about life groups. We talk about how we relate to one another in community, in shared responsibility. So I, I sort of think various people have already some notion of what community is and what shared responsibility is. We know that if someone needs prayer here, we know you can ask each other for help in prayer. We know we can come walk alongside people, help them in prayer. We know we can assist one another. So there's a bit of understanding of what shared responsibility is. Um, but I just want us to take a different view today on how does that shared responsibility come about? Um, to what extent do we push that shared responsibility? And uh, do we have any stake? Is it a nice to have is this something we do because we, are, we feel nice and we feel God loves us and he asks us to do something? What, 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 what are the stakes here? So that's what I want to, to look at and sort of focus on that bit. And to bring it home a bit more, um, we're going to have a bit of a little organized chaos in a minute. Because I noticed that people, so I want us to see each other as partners. And because people come to church and we have people we normally sit together with, I will just ask where possible that you swap positions with someone sitting in front of you. So um, in the next few minutes, if you can 
humor me and just swap positions. So don't sit with your lovely wife today and don't sit with your partner um, if you can just swap positions with someone sitting in front of you. If we can just do that. Sorry. And make sure it's not someone you know where possible. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so how, how comfortable are we all sitting now? So if you don't just mind, say hello to your new partner in church. Yeah, so, so that's a bit more like it. Um, the reason for doing this is not just to put you through this exercise, um, but the reason is just so we know when we are talking about this partnership and this shared responsibility. I want us to put it in perspective a little bit in terms of who is this partner. So that's the next person sitting by your side. But if you were sitting with your wife, if Pete was sitting with lovely Conti, it's natural, it's a bit easier to assume and, you know, Suppose that that's my natural partner, but I want us to sort of have a new sense of who that partner is. So um, now we're all seated. That's your next partner. That is who God wants us to have a shared responsibility with. And bearing that in mind, we're going to go straight into the literal definition of um, responsibility. So I got this off Google, and it says it's a collaboration <laughs> between two or more persons or bodies performing the same kind of activity in the creation of the content of an item. And the picture I got there is, um, I hope, is the right one, but it, it, it's almost like um, shareholders sitting around a board meeting. And um, you know, if you're a board member of a FTSE 100 or 250 company, that's sort of you know, a shareholder meeting. So these are representative of stakeholders who who matters, who's who. And if you have a small or medium-sized company and you have a partner that you floated the company with, this would be your partner. This would be when you guys meet and decide how are we going to, how are we going to move the company forward? Are we going to take it to the next level? Are we going to take out a loan and push it forward? So that sort of sense of stake is what I wanted to create there. Um, and I'll look into um, a Greek word. So when I was looking at this, um, message today, I must admit I struggled a little bit to find context to it. I was praying to God and shared responsibility is what I think I care about this topic very much because I see a Christian and a fellow Christian as my responsibility. I take that responsibility very serious. Um, but in terms of caring for something and having passion for something is quite different from preaching about it and preaching on it. So when I was given this word, um, I did struggle um, a little bit. But then I stumbled on this Greek word called koinonia, um, which literally means fellowship. And um, in fellowship and in partnership. And it, it sort of talks about fellowshipping, having a bond, groups of people uniting together in bond for a united purpose. 
So, so you're bonding together, but you're not just bonding because we like bonding. Um, we're not just bonding for the sake of bonding. In marriage, you bond to form a family, to unite together, to build a home. So in business, you bond together because you want to create a product. There are different reasons why people bond. And we also see from the Bible verses up there that there are different types of bond. And there are different purposes why people tend to bond together. So in Luke 5.10, we can see that this was when Jesus was calling Simon um, to discipleship. And um, we can see there that he said the same was true of Simon's partners. So they are partners. They are in fellowship together. And what was the purpose of that fellowship? So he says there, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. So what he was trying to say there is that James and John were already Simon's partners. But they were not partners with Simon at that point for the purpose of the gospel. They were partners with Simon um, for the purpose of catching fish. They had a fishing company. And that was the basis of their bond. So there are different types of bond, and there are different purposes and aim for having that bond. And there are also bonds. So on, in Matthew 23, 23, Jesus was rebuking the tribes and the Pharisees, and he was saying to them there, how terrible for you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give to God a tent even of the seasoning herbs, such as mint, dill, and cumin, but you neglect to obey the important teachings of the law, such as justice and mercy and honesty. These you should practice without neglecting the other. So we see here a sense of people, a, a group of people that have bonded together, and the purpose isn't necessarily for something positive. So the purpose here is um, to live a hypocritical life, to challenge prophets. Um, people bonded together. The Pharisees did bond together when they wanted to persecute Jesus. So they had a common purpose. These were people that had um, common purpose of crucifying Jesus and, and bringing him to justice, as so to speak. And they bonded together. So there are different reasons for, for people bonding together. So what are we looking at today when we say um, responsibility and, and shared partnership in Jesus? I tend to look at this from the point of being called. What, who are we as the called? And I look at this literally as the finished work of Jesus. And when we, the Bible says that we are, we are in fellowship with God um, through Jesus Christ, through the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. And that's what has called us into fellowship with God. And for that reason, we're in fellowship with God through the Holy Spirit. And also, we have other Christians here that are in the same fellowship, that has been called into the same fellowship with God. And we are, by virtue of being in that same relationship, bonded together in partnership. And that is the sense of partnership and responsibility that I want us to focus on today. Um, so the man sitting next to you, or the lady sitting next to you, is in partnership with you because you are called and saved by the same blood of Jesus. And we all have the same calling in relationship with God. And that is what that partnership is all about. That forms the basis of that partnership with God and we've got with each other. 
And in Philippians there, he says, I give thanks to God. So this was Paul writing to the Philippians and Timothy writing to the Philippians. And he says, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in bold in the gospel from the first day until now. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Indeed, it is right for me to think this way about all of you in my heart. And you are all partners, again, second mention of partnership, with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. And that's a profound verse, because Paul mentions here that the Philippians are partnerships, are partners with him in imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, which means that as we are sat here today as a body of church, as a body of community, and we are talking of responsibility and shared responsibility and shared commitment to each other, we are committed to each other up to the point of imprisonment. So that gives a, that's, that's quite profound. Because that is to say that if there's someone here that goes out that door and gets knocked over by a vehicle and that in hospital admitted, it means that we're in partnership with them in that hospital admission. And that is the profoundness and that is the extent of our partnership with each other. And the reason why we placed ourselves in the sitting position we are now is that if we were sitting with our wives and they, were, and they get knocked over by a vehicle, the natural thing is that we feel responsible and we will find it natural to be in that hospital admission with them because we recognize the bond we share together. What is not so obvious is the recognition of the bond we share with the one sitting next to us. And this is a very challenging um, topic. It's, it's a topic that speaks uh, and challenges myself and challenges everyone because we don't necessarily, it's very easy for us to, to sit with each other and pray on a Sunday and pray for someone and support them in prayer and walk out the door and forget all about it till next Sunday. But what Paul is saying here is that he recognizes the church in Philippians as being in partnership with him, even up unto imprisonment, and being in partnership with him in the defense of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And the way I see this thing is that we have two relationships. We have a vertical relationship to the one who called us, um, which is Jesus Christ, and we have that relationship and fellowship with God the Father through the Holy Spirit, which is vertical. And that's why I've got that little graph up there. But then we have a horizontal relationship as well running along. And that horizontal relationship is with each other, is with all of the body of Christ, not just necessarily everyone sitting here today, but all of the body of Christ, everyone that is called into this relationship with God through Jesus. We have a horizontal relationship with them. Not because we like them, not because we feel comfortable around them, not necessarily because we like talking to them or we fancy if we are going to have a choice of who to have lunch with, that shouldn't necessarily be them. But we have that horizontal relationship because we share the same calling of Jesus. And that is the shared responsibility we have today in God. 
And the verse there says, we write to you about the word of life, which has existed from the very beginning. We have had it, and we have seen it with our eyes. Yes, we have seen it, and our hands have touched it. When this life became visible, we saw it, so we speak of it and tell you of the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made known to us. What we have seen and heard, we announce to you also, so that you will join us in the fellowship we have with the Father and with his Son, Jesus. We write this in order that our joy may be complete. So what is God's desire for us? How does God want us to, to see each other? And why does God want us to see each other that way? Is it just because he fancies us loving each other? I don't believe so. I think there is something fundamental in having an honest relationship and fellowship with each other. I think God's calling is for us to, to see each other as a partner in this journey, in this race, for the truth, in the defense of the gospel. And it is his honest desire to see us grow as a community of shared responsibility to each other, of accountability to each other, and to be honest and a bit more open in our fellowship and relationship with each other. Not to the point of being, even to the point of being uncomfortable in our deep, uncomfortable areas, in, in strange areas where we wouldn't normally go. God calls us to that fellowship with each other. So as we sit today, and we seek to have that relationship, to have that fellowship with God, our Father, in a vertical way, we should also pursue deep relationship with each other, with the partner sitting next to you. Why? I want to quickly read, um, I've got a few points there, why partnership is good, why relationship, why fellowship with each other is important. And um, the first one is growth. And I quickly want to read Acts 2.42. So it says, They spend their time in learning from the apostles, taking part in fellowship, and sharing in the, fellow in the fellowship meals and prayers. Many miracles and wonders were being done through the apostles, and everyone was filled with awe. All the believers continued together in the close fellowship and shared their belongings with one another. They would sell their property and possessions and distribute the money among all according to what each one needed. Day after day, they met as a group in the temple, and they had their meals together in their homes, eating with glad and humble hearts, praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And every day, the Lord added to their group those who were being saved. So we see here, this was in the Acts when Paul was preaching and Peter was preached and people were being converted and how they were bonding together and sharing everything together and how they bonded together and met every day. 
and how miracles and signs and wonders followed their fellowship, and how God added to the numbers of those who were being saved daily. So as a church and as a community of believers, I think our growth, both individually and as a community, as a group of believers, is greatly linked to the extent of our fellowship with each other. I think we grow more. I believe we grow more as a people. We grow more individually when we fellowship more with each other. If as a church we wonder today sometimes why we don't see great signs and miracles in our midst, I'm not saying it's exactly the reason, but that might be linked to our openness and fellowshipping with one another. That might be linked with the heart with which we fellowship with one another. Also, there's, there's perseverance. People get saved by hearing the word of God and accepting the word of God. It is their decision to accept God into their hearts, and they start this journey with God. They start the fellowship with the Father. They come, sometimes they come into the union and the fellowship of gathering of brethren. But I believe that part of their perseverance to the end is linked to our fellowship with one another. There will be times when it's natural in life. I mean, we live in, in, in the world today where we are bombarded with information every day. You know, from Monday to Sunday, I've got about over 20 WhatsApp groups at the moment, still growing by the minute. In fact, someone invited me, I think someone had a wedding a year ago, and people sent out special thanks for saying, please, thank you for not creating a WhatsApp group for this wedding. Thank you. Send email. Let's go back to email. So we get bombarded every day with information. Every one of us here, we leave church, we come to church, we sing, we pray, we are energized, but then we go out and we get bombarded every day with negative information, with all sorts from social media. And I think it's important more than ever in this time and age that we stay in close fellowship with like-minded believers. It is, it, is, it is critical to our journey. It is critical to our perseverance. It is critical to our ability to fight off the attacks of the enemy. So I believe in fellowship lies our perseverance in our journey. And I also believe that it, it helps to encourage each other. It helps to speak encouraging words to each other. Ephesians 4.29, I'm going to paraphrase, says, let no negative words come out of your mouth. So it's imperative that as a, as, as a, as a, as a community of believers, we fellowship openly and honestly for our growth, both personally and as a community, as a church group, it's imperative for our perseverance to run the race that is set before us, which, interestingly, God doesn't promise us it's going to be easy. He just says that I will be with you. When you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will be with you. So that means that we will walk through the valley of the shadow of death sometimes in our journey. Who are we walking with when we go through those things? 
when we go through those journeys. I also believe we fellowship. God encourages us to fellowship. The Bible encourages us to fellowship with one another because we replicate. In fellowshiping with one another, we replicate God's nature. One of the biggest commandments after love your God, as you, uh, love your God thy God, is love your neighbor. And I believe you have to love your fellow Christians even more. So I believe that when we fellowship and when we reach out and when we love each other, we are replicating, we are demonstrating God's love in action. We are extending God's hand of love. We are replicating God's image. And finally, I think that when we fellowship with each other in that way, God is glorified. Ultimately. When we have a body of believers that fellowship with one another in honesty, it brings about growth. It brings about perseverance. It, we encourage each other, and God is glorified. So now we know all these beautiful things. Now we know what fellowship and partnership what now we know about our relationship with God in a vertical way and our relationship with us, with each other, horizontally, what's stopping us? What's stopping us from having that honest relationship with each other? What's stopping us from having a sense of responsibility to each other and not just the ones we feel comfortable with? I think there's a lot of things. I think it's peculiar to individuals. I can't stand here and pretend that I know the answer to that because I don't even understand myself enough um, to answer that question correctly. I think I react to people differently depending on my nature and their nature. But I've got a few points there. And I think, li by the way, I think life groups are a very good way of fellowshipping with one another. I say that avoiding Nina's eyes because I've not signed up to life group yet. <laughs> But I think it, it provides an opportunity for us to fellowship in a deeper way, in a more connected way with each other. And some of the things that stop us is I believe sometimes I have this battle as well with myself, and sometimes I believe it's what a lot of people have is fear of opinions. What are people going to say? And this goes both ways. So if we are talking about fellowshipping and committing with one another and shared responsibility with one another, it goes both ways. So there is the supported and there is the supportee, if that's the right word to use. <laughs> so there's the person giving the support or coming alongside a, a brethren and saying, let me walk with you. What's going on? And there's the person that's being walked with. There's the person that's being pulled along. So there's two parties to this. And I think honesty goes both ways. Because I think there's, an, there's, there's honesty required to face up to a brother, a partner in Christ and say, hang on, I think you're going through stuff. And there's honesty required for such a partner to turn around and say, yes, actually, I am going through stuff. Without feeling, what are they going to think of me? Because honesty to, be honesty, to be honest with you, <laughs> does, does, does make us vulnerable. 
It leaves us, it opens up our vulnerability to others. So I believe one of the key areas that is stopping us from having a fruitful relationship that God so wants us to have with each other in fellowshipping to him that will bring growth and bring glory to his name is that we are hampered by the extent of openness we are with each other. And it's deep. We are afraid to trust. And we lack the courage. Because it takes courage to be honest with someone. It takes courage to be open. So, uh, I don't mean this message to be a somber message. It's an encouraging message. <laughs> I get the feeling I'm sounding so somber and deep, and <laughs> it, that's not the feeling. The idea is that we, we look at our relationships today, and this might even go up to our marriages, that we assess every relationship today that we've got in our current life, and we ask ourselves, are we as open as possible? Have we been honest in this relationship? Have we done all we can to be open about this relationship we currently have? I believe it's a question that is worth asking. Even if it puts us in a vulnerable position, even if it makes us face difficult questions, even if it makes us have to admit challenges that we are struggling with in our personal life. I believe it's a question worth asking. If someone is walking alongside you and trying to encourage you, have you been open about the things you're sharing? Have you been honest? If you're walking alongside someone, have you, been, have you walked along them in an honest, open way? And this is hard. This is really, really hard stuff because I know that being safe is lovely. Being safe in relationship is wonderful. It's a wonderful way to live life. In fact, the times I've had the best time is the, are the times I've been safe in relationships. It's the times I've just given just enough not to get hurt. Because one of the things that would, could be stopping us from being open and honest in a relationship that God has placed in our path could be past us. There might be times in the past that we've reached out. We've gone to offer that helping hand. We've gone to encourage as God commands us with our open heart. We've given it all and we've been hurt in the process. We've opened up and what did we get? Betrayals. Because human beings are messed up. We are all messed up. And now we've come to a point where we are determined never to feel that way again. So we close up. We stay safe. We pray with you. We wish you well. And that's it till we see you next Sunday. Because the last time I ventured to ask what was really wrong and took practical steps to pull a partner up, I've been burnt. So now I'm going to stay safe all the way. And, and, it, and it happens. But I believe one of the things that would help us, so as I was reflecting through this, I believe one of the things that would help us is to remember both 
the person being pulled up and the person pulling up is very important that we remember that it's all about Jesus. We are not capable of saving anybody. We couldn't, if, even if our life depended on it. It's, it's, not, it's just not possible. We are not equipped to save anyone. We can only be what God wants us to be at a point in time he wants us to be that, which is why you might find a good encourager. You might find a situation where someone pulls someone up, walks alongside them, places them on the right path, and then meet the next situation with their own life, and they can't even deal with the same situation that they help someone pull through, and they can't deal with their situation in their own personal situation. So it's not about our capability, so to speak. It's about yielding to the will of God. It's about when listening to God, listening to what God is telling us about our relationships, being attentive to God, being attentive to the voice of God in our lives, and listening and saying, God, what would you have me do in this situation? It is all about you. And I also believe that for the support, supported, so the person that is being supported is supported, and the person providing support is a supportee. So let's, let's go with that analogy. And I also believe for someone in a vulnerable position and struggling to be open about challenges, I believe it helps if we know that the only one that can save is Jesus. Because I believe that it propels us to tell it as it is. Knowing that the, the power to save, the power to pull us through is not even in the one that we are confessing to. It's not in the one that we are sharing our secrets. It's not in the one we are being vulnerable to. We are just sharing what God has put in our hearts to share. But ultimately, it is Jesus that saves. And I believe that if we have that consciousness that it is Jesus that saves, if you're in a vulnerable position, it makes you open. It makes you trust him. Because you're not trusting the one you're talking to. You're trusting Jesus. You're just opening up to a partner. So that both of you can create an environment that you both seek God concerning that particular situation. He doesn't have the answer either. It's very important that we as a community of believers realize that it's all about Jesus. That even in our shared responsibility, we need to be open, we need to be honest with each other, we, we need to assess all our current relationship, both present and the ones to come, and make conscious decision to be honest and open, and to rely on each other, because it's not about us. It's about Jesus, it's about the growth, it's about the glory of God. I was listening to, I'm going to conclude in a few minutes, but I was listening to an American preacher that disbanded his church over time and now goes about setting, so he goes from city to city and he sets up house fellowships. I'm not, I'm not saying it by any stroke of imagination that we disband TWCF. <laughs> but he had a chap come into church and um, 
after a few months, so something God just spoke to him about the church, and he kept an eye out. So his, his church was fairly big, about 500 strong member church. But something about the chap spoke to him, and he kept an eye out for the chap. And about three months later, he couldn't see the chap anymore, stopped seeing the chap in church. So he asked about him, went after him. And apparently, this lad was previously a gang member. And when he finally got in touch with him, he said, you know what? Church doesn't do it for me. I've gone back to the gang. Because I, I don't feel very welcome in church. I didn't feel the love I felt in my previous gang in church. And he broke this preacher. He broke him that the gang was able to offer what we as a body of believers were not able to offer. So as I was preparing for this preach, I pray, because anytime I have... Um, Anytime I have a preach, that Stuart manages to talk me into preaching. I do feel a bit nervous sometimes because I feel unworthy to bring God's word. So in my prayer, I always seek for a bit of confirmation from God concerning his word. I will look for words, I look for words of confirmation from God. And this time around, I was few times I went on Facebook. Now, don't validate that statement with Nina. But I went on Facebook, and I went on Stevie Harvey's channel. And interestingly, they were talking about this lady. So this young girl came on show, and um, she was bound for college. And he needed a laptop and a few things. He was living in a small town of Georgia, about 25 miles away from Georgia. So she had needs, and she decided to write a note to God and send God a note. So he, he got a paper, a piece of paper and a pen, and she wrote to God. And she said, dear God, dear God, it's me again here. I'm off to college, but I need this laptop, and I need that, and I need that. Please, could you help, if possible? And she tied the note to a balloon and sent it off. But she attached her number. She said, just in case you find this note, <laughs> here's my number. <laughs> and she forgot about the note and let it go. And a um, few days later, she got a call from a stranger. Somebody did find the note. But here's the thing. Did not travel 25 miles to Georgia. And on a rainy day, which would have wet the paper and made it unreadable, a minister of gospel found that paper. And it was lying on top of the balloon. So the balloon prevented the paper from touching the grass, the wet grass. And he picked it up. And he read the note. And um, he was in a bit of a situation himself because he had only $2,000 left to him and he found that his mom was owing some tax on their property and he paid, he just coming back from the bank where he paid the tax and he was left with about $135.
So you would think that if God wanted to answer this wonderful prayer via a note, he would find someone that was a bit more financially viable. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this guy found this note, and he had $135 left. But God spoke to him, and he felt God telling him to respond to that need. So he, he rang up the young lady, and they arranged to meet. And somehow, he managed to find the note, managed to find the money for the laptop. But here is the miracle, is that the lady never had a father. The young girl never had a father. So this young man, this minister of the gospel, is now acting as a father to her. They speak every day on the phone. She comes to his church. They are in a very close relationship of a daughter and a father. So when this girl sent this note out, God knew her need. Knew that her need was beyond laptop for college. God knew she needed a father in her life. And God provided the perfect father and it wasn't because the man was qualified based on the need because he didn't have anything apart from $135 to his name. But it was because God had a reason. God had a grand plan. And the man has found immense fulfillment in the relationship with the young lady. Because he discovered things he didn't know he was missing in his life from that relationship. So why am I saying all this fantastic theory story? Is to say that when you find the need, when you feel the urge that God is calling you as part of our horizontal fellowship with one another, as part of our partnership to reach out, it might be at a time where it is most inconvenient for you to do that. But reach out all the same because God has a plan. And it's all about him. It is all about him. So in that story there, Jesus was walking along and he saw a man. We are all familiar with that story. The blind man. And the disciples started asking him immediately, was it him or was it his parents' sins? Because as human beings, we want to have reason for everything. Things have to have reason. If I'm going through challenges in my life, it must be something. I look around. If I go through that challenge long enough, I will find someone, I will find a reason to attribute that challenge to. Because that's who we are. We always want to explain things away or rationalize things. But sometimes it's just so that God's power will be manifest. So when we walk alongside each other, when someone opens up to us or we find need to open up, Let's not try and rationalize that situation. It might be nothing we are thinking in our rational mind. It might just be that a situation God created to manifest his glory. And that's as simple as that. And Jesus said to them, he is blind so that God's power might be seen at work in him. End of. Nothing added, nothing removed. So as we seek God together, as we continue to grow in vertical relationship with God, and as we seek to fellowship with one another, let's keep our eyes on the author and finisher of our faith. 
Let's seek God together because it's all about Jesus. He is the one that has placed us where he has placed us. He is the one that allows situations happen for his name to be glorified. Let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from beginning to end. He did not give up because of the cross. On the contrary, because of the joy that was waiting for him, he thought nothing of the disgrace of dying on the cross, and he is now seated at the right hand of God's throne. Think of what he went through, how he put up with so much hatred from sinners. So do not let yourselves become discouraged and give up. Amen.